Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the program using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to welcome Barbara as our latest Patreon supporter at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Barbara. Now let's get into this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, November the 19th, 1952, and the title is Private Sanitarium. Dangerous Assignment, transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's going to prove that sometimes the best way to stop a guy cold is to step on the gas. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, how'd you like to take a risk? Here? Fine. I know just the place, a farm in Vermont. Sorry, I've already picked a spot for you. Bavaria, a private sanatorium. Oh, great. I understand the nurses are quite attractive. Oh, great. Well, my bags are packed, Commissioner. What's it all about? Two weeks ago, a Czech diplomat was arrested in Prague on a charge of treason. He made a quick confession. Sure, they usually arrange it that way. In that confession, however, he implicated an American newspaper man, a foreign correspondent named Emerson. Emerson, he said, was an American spy. Oh, oh, here we go again. The correspondent got wind of the frame-up and ducked out fast. He managed to slip across the Czech border, got as far as Regensburg in southern Germany, then ran into more trouble. What happened? He was kidnapped, picked up right off the street in broad daylight by three men, but not before he'd put up a terrific struggle. Well, that was ten days ago. And no word of him since? Until last night. A young doctor named Minder got word to us that he thinks Emerson is being held in a private sanatorium in Bavaria. I get it. That's where I'm supposed to check in with my battered nerves. Right. Dr. Minder will contact you when you arrive in Munich. Get to that sanatorium, Steve. If you find Emerson there, get him out and bring him back. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Thursday evening on the NBC radio network is filled with great entertainment. Yes, for Western adventure and songs, there's the Roy Rogers Show from Paradise Valley. And along with Roy, you'll hear Dale Evans and the Whippoorwills. 
And immediately following the Roy Rogers show, listen to Father Knows Best with Robert Young in the title role. On Father Knows Best, you'll hear the amusing adventures of the Anderson family. And, of course, Thursday also brings another hilarious session of Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards, your favorite fun master. On many NBC stations, Thursday ushers in another session of Eddie Cantor's show business show. So, for the most enjoyable Thursday evening entertainment, be sure to set your dial to the NBC radio network. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get over to Germany. Check on a tip given us by a Dr. Minder. Hope it leads me to a missing American correspondent named Emerson. Get to him before he's hauled back to Czechoslovakia to face a bum rap as a spy. It's late Tuesday evening when my plane lands in Munich. The voice on the PA is calling my name as I hurry across the airport waiting room. A gentleman left this envelope here, Mitchell. Oh, thanks. Hmm. May I be of further service? Yeah. How do I get to 64 Austerplatz? Austerplatz? A street on the other side of town. I would suggest a taxi. Thanks. Uh, one more thing about the man who left this note. What did he look like? He was here but a short time ago. A small man, middle-aged, rather stout. Uh, the message is not signed? Yeah, it's signed by Dr. Minder. I just wanted to check the description against the signature. Oh? It doesn't fit. I grab a cab, and on the way across town, I ask myself a few questions. I don't like the answers I get. Ten minutes later, the cabbie drops me off in front of 64 Austerplatz. I like this even less. 64 Austerplatz is a mortuary. I push open the door, go inside. I follow the long red carpet down the dimly lit corridor. At the end of it, there's a desk, and on it, a small vase of flowers, the card index file, and a buzzer. I lean on it. A few seconds later, the curtain is behind the desk part, and a long, slender gent in a frock coat steps out. He folds his claw-like hands together and glides towards me. Good evening, my nail. Hi. I mean, <laughs> good evening. I'd like to see Dr. Minder. Your name is? Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. The next room, please. Click softly shut behind me. I just stare at the casket at the far end of the room. The casket is empty. Surprise number one. Surprise number two follows a second later. A gun nestles in the small of my back. Do not move. The identification. Place it on the casket. Sure. There you are. Thank you. Don't mention it. <coughs> Drop the gun. Drop it. That's better. You've got a lot to learn about this business. Hey, wait a minute. You fit the description I have of Dr. Minder. Yeah, yeah. Here, your identification, Herr Mitchell. Look, what's this all about? Just a precautionary measure. I was afraid I might have been followed today. Well, why pick this place to meet? The man you met a moment ago, he's a very close friend of mine. A doctor with a mortician for a buddy? <laughs> I wouldn't spread that around, Minder. It doesn't inspire confidence. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Why do you think you might have been followed, doctor? Because of what happened two nights ago. When I saw Emerson at the sanatorium, he is listed as a Herr Langford. They have him in a small private cottage at the rear of the main building. Go on. I was looking for Dr. Anstead. He is the head of the sanatorium. I thought I might find him at the cottage. But when I arrived, I saw the man they call Langford lying on his bed. 
The bandages removed, his face badly marked, bruised. His face is usually covered with bandages? Yeah, yeah. I moved in closer, and then suddenly his nurse appeared from the next room. She screamed at me to get out, called one of the guards. Any repercussions over your visit? No, no, none, none. The matter seems to have been dropped. They probably figure you didn't recognize Emerson, so they let it ride. Who's his doctor? Dr. Einstein. You known him long? Since I joined the staff two years ago. He is truly a great doctor, Mitchell. That is why I failed to understand how he could be mixed up in an affair such as this. How far is it to the sanatorium? Oh, it's several hours' drive. I have my car parked in the back street. Okay, let's get going. We'll figure out something on the way, I hope. <laughs> south. Two hours later, we're rolling along a narrow, winding road high in the mountains. Dr. Minder finally comes up with a suggestion. Hey, Mitchell, I've been considering a possibility. I might be able to get you into the grounds by way of the back wall. I could possibly hide you in the clinic. Yeah, if I could pass myself off as a villager with a liver complaint. Uh, no, 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 no. As a tourist, perhaps, yeah. But it would be too dangerous. Too many questions would be asked. Wait a minute. They couldn't very well expect me to answer questions if I'd been knocked out cold. An accident. An accident? Why not? We stage an accident for the benefit of anyone who might be watching from the sanatorium. Yes, yes. The guards at the gate, they, they have an unobstructed view of the road leading to the main gate. What would happen then? Well, a call to the clinic, a, a gate guard and I would drive to the scene with the ambulance. Right. Now, all we need is an accident. But what kind? Uh, automobile? Uh, my expense account won't stand for a car's crash. How about a bicycle? Uh, yes, of course. Can you get one of the villagers to cooperate with a gentle sideswipe? Yeah, yeah. Albert Herpfel. Uh, he's a farmer. His place is not far from the sanatorium. He has a truck. He will be eager to help us. Yeah, you make sure he isn't too eager. I want this to look real, but not fatal. It's early in the morning when I register at the village inn. After breakfast, I saunter up to my room, check our schedule again, and look over the map of the road Minder had sketched for me. At exactly ten minutes after one, I hop aboard my bike and ride out of the village, making like a happy tourist. I pedal along the winding roadway for another ten minutes, and then I spot a landmark I'm looking for, a tree on my left, burned and blackened by a boat of lightning. I round the bend and up ahead, maybe a quarter of a mile, I spot the main gate of the sanatorium. At the same time, I spot Herpfel's truck as it shoots out of the side road. Comes bearing down on me, fast. Yeah, too fast. Suddenly I know something is wrong. Instead of swerving, it keeps coming straight for me. I dive off the bike just as the front tire hits me. Hey! Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. This is the time of year when every motorist must revise his driving habits to conform to winter's rain, snow, and slippery highways. The National Safety Council warns that winter driving conditions present more hazards than at any other time of the year. So, as winter comes to your section of the country, change your driving habits to meet changing road conditions. Too many times when roads are wet and slippery, the posted speed limits are not the safe speed limits. Remember, the safe speed for your driving is the speed that matches road conditions. America's professional truck drivers, the men who drive for a living, are taught that now, more than ever, they must drive ahead of themselves. By watching the changing road and traffic conditions on the highway ahead, you can avoid accidents before they happen. 
When you see an accident threaten on the road ahead, you'll have time to keep it from happening. So remember, drive as slowly as the road conditions demand. Drive as if your life and the lives of your passengers depended upon it. They do. Now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Mitchell. Herr Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Who are you? I am helpful. Hey, the farmer who ran me down with a truck. Hey, what's the big idea trying Please, to... Please, I was not the one who was driving the truck. That was my hired man, Zwecker. How come? Zwecker also does some gardening over the sanatorium. He must have overheard Dr. Minder and myself setting up the plans for this uh, accident. He stole my truck and tried to kill you. Possibly hoping to get some kind of reward from them. Brother, he almost earned it, too. Uh, when I realized the truck was gone, I came here as fast as possible to warn you. I was climbing up the ravine when you came down. The hard way. Well, this is just dandy. Zwecker's probably up at the sanatorium right now, spilling the whole gag to them. No, oh, Herr Mitchell. <laughs> I saw him climbing down here after the accident, perhaps to make sure you were dead. I waited for him in the bushes. He's tied up at the bottom of the ravine, and I will turn him over to the police. Nice work. Hey, what's that? The, the bell on the ambulance. See? Up there. It's winding down the road from the sanatorium. After I took care of Zwecker, I telephoned the report of the accident, as we had planned. Okay, Herbful. You've been very likewise. You can get lost now. I'll take it from here. <laughs> the ambulance winding down the narrow road, its bell clanging hot and heavy. This I don't get. There's no traffic around. Why make with the no. Pretty soon the ambulance pulls to a stop on the road above me. I see Dr. Minder scrambling down the side of the ravine. And waddling along behind him is a fat guy who bulges out of an alpine suit with short leather pants. I close my eyes and pretend to be out. Yeah. Here he is. Yeah. Doctor, doctor, is he still alive? Yeah. Yeah, but unconscious. Hugo, bring down the stretcher, huh? The driver comes down with a stretcher. They load me aboard and lug me up to the road. They slide me into the ambulance. Minder gets in beside me, and away we go. All right, Mitchell. They cannot hear us in the front seat. Uh, who could hear anything with that bell clanging? Do you have to do that? It's knocking my head apart. I'm sorry. This lads of Pomeran. That which? Uh, Pomeran. That's the name of the bell? No, no, no. The name of the man who's ringing. Oh, the fat one? Yeah. You see, lots of Pomeran is a patient at the sanatorium. He's quite wealthy. He always insists on riding with the driver whenever the ambulance goes out, so he can ring the bell. It's no problem. Uh, the bell is a problem as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'm afraid that they have no choice, Mitchell. You see, he donated the ambulance to the sanatorium. Uh, wait, we're almost at the gates. You'd better become unconscious again, eh? drive into the grounds with Porky, the bellboy, still hard at work. I'm taken to a small room at the rear of the main building, which overlooks the cottages scattered around the grounds. I keep my eyes closed as Dr. Minder goes through the motions of making a further examination. A nurse hovers close by. 
Well, and Schoenberg, you seem to be studying the patient most carefully. I was just trying to remember. Uh, remember what? Well, I have seen this man before. You feel that you have? He looks familiar in a way. An American, wouldn't you say? Well, I don't know. Possibly a tourist. Is uh, Dr. Anstead on the grounds? Hmm? No, he went to Munich yesterday. Munich? He left shortly after you did. He said he had business in Munich. Oh, yes, I see. Well, uh, that will be all for now, Fräulein. Uh, will you please order the x-rays? Huh? At once, Doctor. Mitchell? Yeah. I almost swallowed my Adam's apple when that nurse started wondering where she'd seen me before. Where could she have seen you? Search me. Maybe around the village this morning. Or maybe she's mistaken. Well, I don't like it. You don't like it. Another thing. This Dr. Anstead you think is mixed up in the deal. Yeah, yeah. She said he had gone to Munich shortly after I did. Could be he followed you. If so, he knows who you are and why you are here. Well, we're in too deep to back out now, but we'd better work fast. All right. Oh, here's the plan. Come on, sit up in bed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, you see the cottage under those trees near the back wall, huh? Yeah, that's where they've got Emerson? Yeah, yeah. We must wait until dinner time. Uh, two hours from now. I will signal you from outside at the proper time. Huh? Then what? The guard at the cottage leaves for dinner. The special nurse remains. I will try to keep her occupied while you slip into the cottage. If the patient is Emerson, the ambulance will be waiting by the cottage. We'll have to make a run for it, man. Well, well. What? Oh. Oh, hey, come on. Oh, <laughs> splendid. I see our patient has recovered consciousness. Uh, yeah. But he is still weak and needs rest. Well, I, I trust you play pinochle, sir. There is not one decent pinochle player in the whole place. Uh, as you see, uh, Pomeran, I must give the patient an injection, a sedative. Uh, uh, so. Uh, and now I must ask you to leave. Well, uh, of course. Uh, well, until later, son, our first pinochle game. Uh, that was most unfortunate. I wish to make it appear that you are still unconscious. Yeah! What was that? Oh, that was Pomeran's version of a yodel. He thinks it quite amusing to make that sound whenever one of the more attractive nurses passes by. Yeah! He is even now very probably in pursuit of her. An alpine wolf whistle get? <laughs> Look, how am I supposed to slip over to that cottage when you slip with a mickey with a needle? No, don't worry. That injection was not a sedative. What was it? Vitamin B. Good for the nurse. <laughs> I settle back to wait for his signal. The minutes drag by. Finally, it starts getting dark. I stare out the window, but there's no sign of Minder. I begin to get an uneasy feeling. Something's gone wrong. Finally, I decide I can't wait any longer. I ease out the window and work my way through the shrubbery to the cottage where they've got Emerson. I take a quick look in the window. The patient's on the bed with his face bandaged, but there's no sign of a guard. This is my big chance. I go inside and over to his bed. Emerson. Emerson. He doesn't answer. I start to shake his arm, but it falls off the bed limply. I jerk the bandages off his face. It's not Emerson. It's Dr. Minder. And he's dead. <gasps> what? Dr. Minder. Dead. Look, nurse. You killed him. Shut up. I didn't kill him. Look, you're a friend of his, eh? Good, so am I. Promise me not to yell and I'll take my hand off. <clears throat> okay, I'll make it fast. I'm Steve Mitchell, U.S. government agent. Dr. Minder was helping me get to an American newspaper correspondent named Emerson who was being held here under sedatives until his cuts and bruises healed. 
Then they were going to take him back across the Czech border to face a phony spy charge. Wait. I saw them leave. Who? His special nurse and the guard they kept here. They drove off in an ambulance just a few minutes ago. With Emerson probably in the back, 10 to 1, they're heading north for the Czech border right now. If I could only get a car. Dr. Minder's car. What? He had offered to let me borrow it. I noticed him approaching the cottage a while back, so I came here to tell him I was leaving. You're so right. Let's go. We slip out of the cottage to Minder's car and roar away. We head north toward the border. The minutes dragged by. You think we are gaining any on them? Hey, up ahead. The ambulance. Parked beside the road. Yeah, and in that phone booth beside the inn, the nurse. She's probably calling ahead to let them know they're coming. Pull up. We stop beside a clump of trees. I tell the nurse to wait for me down the road a mile or so, and she pulls away. And I walk to the ambulance. The guard is sitting in the front seat alone. The nurse is still in the phone booth. I'm almost to the door before he spots me. He reaches for a gun, but I nail him. He slumps over the wheel. I drag him out, jump inside, and take off fast. In the small frosted glass panel back of the driver's seat, I can make out a figure on the stretcher on one side. I pull to a stop around the first bend in the road. I get out and go around to the back. I open the rear door. Hello, Mitchell. What? Pomeran. <laughs> to be sure. Uh-uh. Don't try anything. Well, well, the fat boy himself. So you've been running the deal, huh? I take it that's Emerson on the stretcher. Quite right. How'd you get Dr. Anstead to help you? We knew he had relatives across the border. The threat of reprisals was very effective. I see. Well, what happens now? You will drive us to the border. And if you try anything, Emerson will be shot immediately. All right. Get back into the ambulance. I walk to the front and get in. I'm pretty sure Pomeran won't shoot Emerson. He wants him alive, but I got to figure out a plan fast. Hey, Emerson! I can make out Palmer and the frosted glass panel behind me. Then I get an idea. Suddenly, I throw open the door and duck. It's him! It works. He thinks I'm going outside. I can hear him scramble toward the rear door. As soon as he opens it, I step on the gas. Ah! I look out the back window. Palmer is sprawled, face down on the road, out cold. Emerson. Emerson, you okay? Oh, here. Let me get some of this tape off your mouth. There. Who are you? Steve Mitchell, government agent. You're going home. Pomeran. Ah, he's out cold. I sort of drove the ambulance out from under him. We'll leave him here in your place. And you know, it's just as well. I've got a hunch when they find out he goofed up the deal, he's going to need an ambulance. star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. One of the most important functions of a radio network is the quick dissemination of news. Here on the NBC radio network, you can depend upon expert news reporters to bring you all the important news whenever and wherever it happens. A schoolteacher in Michigan in a recent letter says it better than we can. Quote, I want to thank NBC for its complete coverage of both the national political conventions and for your accurate and timely reporting of the national election. I'm particularly grateful to read that NBC will be on hand to broadcast the inauguration of our new president in January. For when I add this broadcast to the others I already have recorded on my Webster Electric Echo Tape recorder, I'll have a complete history of the 1952 political campaign. 
Again, I want to thank you and praise you for your wonderful news coverage. Unquote. And we thank you, Miss Miller. Here at NBC, we strive to bring you the finest reporting of the latest news. So remember, the NBC Radio Network is your headquarters for top news coverage. Next week, Sweden. A nursery rhyme that almost turns out to be my epitaph. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Byron Kane, Paul Fries, Tony Barrett, Jack Crucian, and Jeannie Tatum. This is John Storm speaking. Assignment starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe and is directed by Phil Carr. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed dangerous assignment. <laughs> This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Welcome back. We see a continued pattern with Robert Reif's writing. I noted in a previous episode how he had a villainous traveling button salesman in Dangerous Assignment. And then in the Johnny Dollar five-parter he wrote, the villain was a zipper salesman. And in today's episode, the villain is someone who acts like a fool and loves playing Pinochle. In the same Johnny Dollar serial, the villain acted like a fool who claimed to like playing cribbage. Apparently, Robert Reif's composite most evil villain was a card-playing salesman. I will say this for our villain. I don't ever anticipate having the money to fund a private sanitarium. But I think if I did, I too would want to ride around in the ambulance and ring the bell. The mid-show PSA was interesting and kind of ties into our conversation about home recording on Monday. I think we listened to a similar listener from the same person, or maybe it was someone else, uh, with a thank you for just the national conventions. I can only hope that the recording survives and was passed on to someone who would appreciate it. It's certainly an interesting historical artifact. For our purposes, I think it occurred to people far less to record radio dramas than it did news events or even music, which I think make up the majority of the home recordings that I've heard of off of radio. And of course, more likely than that, they were or just family home recordings and that sort of thing. What that all says about society in the post-war era, or society today, I guess, is something for debate. 
Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and Richard writes in on YouTube regarding the Guy Fox special. Very interesting comparison. Well, thank you so much, Richard. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Chuck. Chuck has been one of our Patreon supporters since September 2022, currently supporting the program at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Chuck. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you're listening on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help the channel to grow. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but join us back here tomorrow for Mr. Chameleon, where... It's Mrs. McLaughlin, the housekeeper here. She says that Martha Phillips was working on her memoirs, that the Williams Publishing Company had already contracted to publish them. Miss Phillips was writing the story of her life? Uh Uh-huh. And the last time Mrs. McLaughlin saw her, about 8 o'clock in the evening, Miss Phillips was sitting at her desk here writing. Mr. Dalton, did you know about these memoirs? Well, no, Mr. Comedian. That is, Miss Phillips said she was going to write them, but I didn't know she'd started them. You didn't know that she'd started You, who were so close to her, yet the housekeeper knew. How is that, Mr. Dalton? Are you calling him a liar again? No, no, Miss Adams. I'm simply asking him a question, and I intend to keep right on asking a great many more questions. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.